What's cracking, big dose? Welcome back to the HQ. Welcome back to the channel. You are joined by myself, Nicholas, and Noah at FB God on Twitter. Make sure you are following both of us on the Twitter. Today is an interesting uh, trade targets video for y'all. We're talking about the best buy low, sell high, just guys that we are targeting, whether to join our team or to trade away from our team for fantasy football. Week nine, the trade deadline. So we're filming this Tuesday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. Trade deadline ends. It hits in an hour and a half. So throughout the filming of this video, we might have some trade updates. Um, if not, we're going to talk about at the end some guys that we've been hearing rumored to possibly be moving, some offensive players, what they might end up uh, doing, where they might end up going, what that means for their fantasy outlook. I'm sure we're going to end up talking about a lot of players being completely wrong on them, looking like assholes. But we'll save that for the end of the video so y'all can get the value up front and then we can have some fun later on in the video. Noah, are we ready? I'm not ready for the trade deadline because I have one guy on here who's going to get traded before or once this video is up. So I'm not ready for that, but I'm ready to spit the big facts. I know who you're, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> I know who you're talking about based on that hint. All right, let's hit the intro. All right, so first guy up on this list, we'll preface this by saying this is not a buy low scenario. It was a buy low scenario a week ago, but this guy exploded this week. The point of putting Kenny Galladay, wide receiver for the Detroit Lions, on this list is someone is because he is someone that I am willing to overpay for going forward. He's someone that I would trade for right now and possibly even lose the trade if you have to. But I think over the rest of the season, he's going to more – then likely give you that value back and then some. I think he's probably going to be a top six to eight fantasy wide receiver over the second half of the year. And that's for a few reasons. And it all revolves around, I mean, he's a talented guy. We all know that. But it revolves around the Detroit Lions as a team in particular. Both their defense and the offense point to positive signs for Kenny G going forward. We'll start with the defense because no matter what they want to do on offense, no matter what their scheme is with Darrell Bevel and Matt Patricia running the show, like their defense is going to dictate what they're going to do on the offensive side of the ball. And their defense looked good to start the year, but they've absolutely plummeted since. Over the last five games, they're allowing 30 points per game to their opponents. They traded away their captain, um, Quandre Diggs, their safety. The next man up, Tracy Walker, who was playing well, uh, just left on Sunday's game with some kind of knee injury. We don't know the severity of it, but he – he didn't return, so it's probably not good for his outlook moving forward. So you lost two of their top secondary guys. When you look at the cornerbacks, there have been 109 qualified cornerbacks per pro football focus in terms of coverage grading. The Lions do not have a guy within the top 45. Their best guy, Darius Slay, uh, has not played all that well this year. He's been around average. He's graded out as, I believe, like the 47th best coverage cornerback this year. He is someone that is hot on the trade rumors market as well. So by the time you see this, he might have been moved, which is obviously a huge downgrade to the Lions secondary. If not, he's still not playing lights out. He's not like a, um, a guy that shuts down the opponent, opponent's top wide receiver. At this point, uh, Justin Coleman, Rashad Melvin, their next two cornerbacks are graded out as the 50th and 95th best coverage cornerbacks out of 109. So it's getting ugly in the secondary. Their pass rush is graded out as the 23rd best in the NFL. So they're not getting pressure on the quarterback as well. So they're giving up a lot of points. And it's because their secondary and their pass rush is not where it needs to be. And that's not anything getting better anytime quickly for the Lions. On the offensive side of the ball, I mean, it all goes back to 
them needing to score a lot of points because their defense is giving up so many points. Stafford is having a monster year. He's been very efficient, but more importantly, he's like absolutely letting the ball fly downfield. And it's not something that we expected. We thought he'd be efficient on lower volume of throws just because the pass catching group he has is really, really good. But they are letting him chuck the ball downfield like with no fucking regard for the short, shorter throws. I mean, he's attempted 49 deep passes this year. That leads the NFL by more than six deep passes, and he's played one fewer game than everybody. He's already had that bye. He's only played in seven games. He's averaging seven deep passes per game, which is ridiculous, right? 19.6% of his throws are deep passes. Last year, Josh Allen threw a deep pass on 19.7% of his throws, which was the league leader in the NFL. Stafford is on pace to throw 112 deep balls this year. No quarterback has ever hit that many deep balls attempted in a season. So he's on pace to throw downfield more than any quarterback has in a single season ever, right? And we look at this run game. Obviously, they're not going to be effective without Carrion Johnson. As soon as Carrion left, they are a team that is going to have to rely on Matt Stafford. And we've seen it the last game and a half, last two games. Um, their pass percentage plays, the percentage of their total plays that have gone for passes is up to around 65%, which is much higher than they had been in the beginning of the year and last year. So uh, Galladay's a guy who is targeted downfield all the time. He's also targeted in the end zone all the time. He has seen eight targets or more in every game except one. His 16.85 average depth of target, which is down the field, right? On average, his target distance down the field is almost 17 yards, is first in the NFL among 80 qualified wide receivers. He's tied for fourth in the NFL in red zone targets. He's tied for third in the NFL in end zone targets, which usually equates to touchdowns, and that's what he's been doing so far this year. One important thing, too, I mean, his schedule, they play Oakland next, which is obviously a smash spot. Um, they still have Chicago twice, but Chicago is not anywhere near as scary of a matchup as they've been in previous years. Last year, Kenny G went six for 78 and touchdown against them in their first matchup, five for 90 in the second matchup. Uh, they get Dallas at home. They get the Redskins. They play uh, Tampa Bay at home in week 15, which is the first round of most fantasy playoffs. So that's absolutely a smash spot. They play at Denver in week 16. So that's obviously very tough. They've, they've become a very tough pass defense but Chris Harris also might get moved so we don't know if that's really even going to be that tough of a matchup anymore but at least he'll help you get to week 16 the schedule is easy one important thing not to overlook when you're trading at this point in the off or this point in the season is Kenny G's already had his bye so that's really big right at this point like a lot of bye weeks are coming up and it gets tough to fill your starting lineup with uh with guys so it's almost like he has an extra game on top of the guys who haven't had their bye yet so uh Kenny G I mean the, the schedule would ar arguably be the best argument against trading for Kenny G, but it's really not that tough when you look at it, you know, when you break it down in context, but everything else adds up. Offense is throwing the ball a ton. They're looking really good. Stafford's throwing it downfield a lot, and that's Kenny G's sweet spot. It's also getting targeted in the end zone. Kenny G, overpay, win your league. I was going to, like, throw in some facts at the end when you stopped talking, but, like, everything you said was just so on point and exactly what I was going to say. Like, you look at exactly the type of player that he is, He's basically DK Metcalf, Metcalf on more steroids than he's already on because he's getting the end zone targets. He's getting the deep targets. He's on a team that throws more than the Seahawks. Um, I actually had him in a trade advice article a few weeks back where I said I viewed him a little bit lower than like a wide receiver one just because he was dominating the red zone looks at that time and Marvin Jones and TJ Hawkinson weren't and I expected them to see a little more positive regression, which would hurt Kenny Galladay. But we've seen him maintain his role even with these other guys being used in this offense and even with these matchups, he's one of those like matchup proof guys just because he's so dominant deep down the field with his with his body and with his frame. Like he beats anybody. If you saw his touchdown this past week, 
like he toe tapped with like one centimeter of space at the front pylon. And for a guy sure. that size, he shouldn't be able to do that. It's like he's one of the best receivers in real life, in my opinion, just watching him play. And with his upcoming schedule being a little bit tough, maybe that opens a window for you to buy him a little bit low. But I totally agree. If you can overpay for him a little bit, it may seem like you're losing the trade. But in the end, I think, especially with him being past his buy, he's going to give you so many valuable weeks going forward. It's just like, what's the, what's the difference at this point between Kenny G and Mike Evans? There's really no difference. They're both guys that are like, Maybe they don't. Stinks. One other quarterback stinks. Yeah, I mean, but realistically, they're both just chucking it downfield with no fucks for like given <laughs> at this point. Like they don't care about anything. They're throwing it down the field. Both of those guys have ridiculously strong hands, and they're going to make things happen. So, I mean, the two games that he had two very dud games. One was I think week three um, against Philadelphia, which was a huge surprise. But he got eight targets in that one, and then they played in Minnesota, where Marvin Jones had his fucking three or four touchdowns, and he always eats against Minnesota. So. I can't say that was very surprising to see, but Galladay's a guy, just imagine his ceiling on a week-over-week basis is, is crazy in this offense. Yeah, and you got to keep in mind, Detroit always plays on Thanksgiving, and Matt Stafford is good for about five or six touchdowns every single year mm-hmm. that day, so that's going to be a huge blow spot. I don't know who they're playing. Hopefully, it's the Bears, so if it's a tough game, he'll get that out of the way and put up pretty good numbers mm-hmm. against them. Next guy we're going to talk about is in the same type of argument as somebody who I'd overpay for is Josh Jacobs, running back for the Oakland Raiders. And nobody is selling him low right now. Um, I know he just came off of a pretty poor performance. I think he had like 66 yards. He didn't find the end zone. But if you look at his upcoming schedule, right, he doesn't have any tough games until week 14 and 15 against Tennessee and Jacksonville. But even in those, those are probably going to be games with over-unders in like the low 40s to mid 40s. So there's going to be volume for him to run in those games. And another thing to note is Tennessee has actually allowed the second most receptions to the running back position. And I know he isn't like, a great pass catcher in the sense that he's not getting targeted a whole lot, but his target numbers have gone up recently over the first three weeks. He only had three targets over the last four. He's seen 10. So that's 150% increase if you want to finesse the facts, but it's still not a whole lot of volume, but it's at least something you can maybe count on if they start using him a bit more in these games that maybe in Tennessee, he catches four or five balls and gives him, you know, a little bit of a higher floor. But other than that, right, Detroit, the Chargers, Cincinnati, the Jets, other than like Kansas city, Every other team on that list has given up at this point. Like I've just been seeing that the Jets are trying to get rid of, or they just got rid of Leonard Williams. They're trying to get rid of Jamal Adams. They have absolutely nothing left on the back end. Same for the Chargers. So those are all games where he should eat. And on top of that, like I don't really have to go into like in-depth analysis about Josh Jacobs for me to tell you just how good he's been this year, right? He's number two in elusive writing only behind Duke Johnson, but he's he's obviously seen a lot more volume than Duke Johnson. So his numbers mean a little bit more maybe. Um, he's also 12th in breakaway run rate. So he gives you those big plays. He's not going to break off a 90 yard touchdown run because he isn't as fast as some guys like Derrick Henry who do that like on a week to week basis, basis almost. He's also sixth in uh, yards created. So it, it just shows that he's getting into the open field with his moves behind the line of scrimmage, which is also among uh, the league's best. I think they're fourth in adjusted line yards. So he's on an offense that has commit to the run. They want to keep running. Uh, He's getting all the volume in this backfield. He's on pace for over 300 touches. He's on pace for 1,400 rushing yards, uh, nine touchdowns, which is a lot more than we could say that we expected to see out of him this year. Um, I think he's on pace for more rushing attempts than he saw his whole career at Alabama, which could be concerning because you may think he might not hold up under this pressure, which is shown or hold up under this volume load because it's shown that he's had like an elbow and a shoulder injury thus far, but he played through it last week. So 
unless something happens to like his knee in the coming weeks, I don't see any reason for him to really slow down. And just with the schedule, uh, how good he's been. And if you can just pay up for him a little bit, um, maybe throw like a high end RB two to get him, because I really think he is like a top six to eight running back from here on out, just based on his schedule and usage alone. Yeah, he is absolutely shit on my chest when it comes to <laughs> preseason analysis. I, w- I mean, the reason I ducked away from him is because we've never seen him handle the big workload. Um, and it's definitely not been a concern up to this point because he's had, you know, games of over 20 carries three separate times already. Um, and he's usually around the 17 to 20 touch mark. I wish his involvement in the passing game was a little higher because he was a good receiving back in college. He didn't get the volume, but he was always very efficient and looked very smooth in the passing game. Um, but like you said, they've, they've used him a lot more recently. Um, he's had, I think, 10 receptions over the last four games or so. So at that rate, he's looking good. If you can get, you know, two to three receptions a game on top of the 17 plus carries, He's just everything in this backfield. Um, my one concern, again, was that he came into the league without a uh, heavy workload on his resume. So we don't know how you're going to hold up against NFL caliber defenses. He's, he's done the same thing as James Conner's done, where he's left, like, he's left probably more games than he hasn't left, hasn't missed any game time because he goes to the locker room, they look at him, they probably throw a syringe into his veins. He's good to go. He's back on the field. And we've seen that a lot of times. And he keeps getting injured, which is – a little bit concerning because at one point, like when does one of these injuries end up, you know, sidelining him for a couple weeks. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's looked so damn good on the field. They're not afraid to keep feeding him the ball. I mean, he's averaging five yards per carry right now as a rookie, which is absurd um, on pace for what, like 1300 rushing yards, probably 1400. Yeah. It's crazy. 1400 rushing yards. So he's on pace to have an absolute monster season. Um, he is still in the Raiders offense where it doesn't exactly lend itself to a lot of scoring opportunities. And there's one aspect of his game where we've seen him. Um, I don't want to say it's been that low because, I mean, he has four rushing touchdowns on the year. But, like, you know, if he was in a good offense running at this level of efficiency, he'd probably be around, like, six or seven touchdowns. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all in on Josh Jacobs over the second half of the year. He's just – everything he's shown so far um, lends itself to being a lot better than most of the running backs that have actually scored above him in fantasy up to this point. Yeah, the good thing is, though, is he's getting, like, all their goal line touches. He's at 75% of the market share right now. So against these easier defenses, maybe the offense does move the ball down the field a little bit better. And if they do and if their offense improves, he's going to be on the receiving end of a lot of those touchdowns. Yeah. Um, Oh, we're getting some – nah, Jamal Adams nonsense. We don't care about – we don't care about defenses over here in the fantasy (laughs) world. We did say David Johnson, Chase Edmonds, both did not – did not practice again today. They're not going to go, but they said Kenyon Drake was going to have a manageable workload. We could talk about Kenyon Drake a little bit because he just got traded. I mean, he goes to the Cardinals. I talked about it in my waiver wire video this morning. Um, I'm really not excited about Kenyon Drake. I think, I, I mean, I guess it depends on when David Johnson comes back, but I like, no matter what, I don't see Kenyon Drake getting like 75% of the touches in this backfield, like no matter who is back there with him. Yeah. It sounds like Chase Edmonds injuries and be like three to four weeks and they have their bye in week 12 and leading up to the bye, I think they play San Fran twice and Tampa. So it's a bunch of, yeah, it's tough matchups for a guy who's only ever really played behind a terrible offensive line in Kenyon Drake. And I get, he's a good pass catcher, but it's a completely new offense. Like going from Miami to Arizona is a pretty big flip from a team that wants to lose to a coach that is trying to keep his job right now. So I don't know if, especially against these defenses, if he's going to be anything more than like a low-end flex play. Yeah, that's the same way I feel. I, I think it's just like a shiny new toy, so people get excited about it. But realistically, it's one you know situation to another that's not really lending itself to uh, good 
production level when it comes to fantasy running back. So I'm not too excited about Drake. One guy, yeah, I, I would say, look- like, for what it's worth, Ken, uh, Chase Edmonds was coming off of a huge game. And I know he left early, but before that, he had, like, seven rushes for eight yards. So even a guy that we've seen producing that offense struggled against a good run defense. So what can we really expect out of Kenyon Drake? Yeah, I think that especially in this, what I think is, like, the first game, he's going to have a decent workload, maybe, like, 10 to 12 touches. And then David Johnson, I'd say, like, 50-50 for him to be back for the next game. And then that kind of, like, you know, shoots Drake's value to the floor again. So – not too excited. Uh, another guy I'm not really too excited about, despite coming off of monster games, Stefan Diggs. He's been on my sell-high list for a couple of weeks now. Um, he blows the Washington Redskins secondary out of the water, which was like the least surprising thing I've ever seen. He's had three straight games of 140 receiving yards. That comes with two straight games of no Adam Thielen and a Philly secondary three weeks ago, which is like the worst in the NFL, basically. So that was very, very easy to see coming, coming off of like a bunch of lackluster games from Diggs. Now I, I expect Thielen to come back this week against Kansas City. And with Thielen in the lineup, like Diggs's value is so shoddy and it's so inconsistent. Um, not to mention that the, the Chiefs have been very, very, very good against fantasy wide receivers this year. You might think of their defense as a little bit shoddy. They give up a lot of points because their offense is good or whatever. But they've been pretty shut down against fantasy wide receivers uh, week in and week out, especially when they're playing at Arrowhead. So I don't expect a big game from Diggs. So I would try to sell them now before they play on Sunday. Uh, if you look at the six games with Thielen and Diggs both playing together, Diggs has seen a 22% target share, which is down nearly 5% from where it was last year. And in the six games that they've played together, Diggs is on pace for 90.6 targets. So if you take that and those are the projections you're looking at with Thielen coming back for the rest of the year, he's on pace for just over 90 targets. Like that is really, really poor considering what value you could probably get for Diggs in a trade uh, right about now. And I think it just speaks to the overall scheme of the offense. Not that this is anything new, but it's going to continue to be centered around handing the ball to Dalvin Cook, getting the ball to Dalvin Cook in space, getting him 20 to 25 touches per game, which we've seen so often throughout this Minnesota uh, schedule so far and looking forward at his next, you know, seven games or it's from now until the end of the fantasy season, his schedule is really, 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 really tough. If you look on the right side in terms of fantasy points allowed for the wide receiver position, there's only one plus matchup and that is Detroit in week 14. Casey, who I said, again, is pretty much shut down against uh, wide receivers on the outside at Dallas, you know, four of these seven games are at, uh, are on the road. Then you also have the bye week, which I said is very important when you are going into this part of the season at Dallas, at, uh, against Denver, at Seattle, at the Chargers, Green Bay. Like none of these matchups are easy for Stephon Diggs, the number one outside wide receiver going forward, which is why I think it's just going to be Thielen and Cook, you know, down the stretch. And Diggs' value right now is at the very, very top that you're probably going to be able to sell him for. So um, sell Diggs, buy Thielen, run it. Yeah, and if you look at these defenses that he's facing, not only are they really good against the pass, but their funnel defense is towards the run. And we saw in the beginning of the year, Minnesota doesn't shy away from just running Dalvin Cook 40 times a game, yeah. right? Kansas City, Dallas, uh, Seattle's like middle of the pack. Detroit stinks. The Chargers are awful. Green Bay stinks. They're all terrible against the run, but good against, well, decent enough against the pass that I think if these games aren't getting out of hand where Minnesota's defense is dropping a lot of points, um, that they're just going to be comfortable running the ball. And they're not going to want to, like, maybe they don't want to overuse Dalvin Cook. But we've seen a lot out of Alexander Madison that he can handle the load that if Dalvin Cook gets tired out or, like, God forbid, he gets hurt, they'll still be able to uh, rely on the run in these upcoming games. And we've just seen Stephon Diggs be the epitome of inconsistent uh, so far this year. So if you can sell him for, like, a high-end wide receiver two or low-end wide receiver one price, 
I'd completely do it just based off of his usage with uh, Adam Thielen back and the schedule he's set this day. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with that. We got to get Diggs out of here. One guy you got to get on your team that we've yeah. also had in this trade target video for a long time, bunch of weeks consecutively, Robbie Anderson. Huge yeah. buy-low yeah. candidate right now. Yeah, he's a buy-low in real life too, but I think the Jets want a little bit too much for him. But this really centers around, well, obviously if he stays on the Jets, but this really centers around his schedule. And I'll put it on the screen right now. Green means good. So if you're looking at this, all you see is bright green pastures. He doesn't get a tough schedule until week 16 against Pittsburgh, which is a pretty tough defense to play against. But we just saw Ryan Fitzpatrick look decent against them. So take that for what it's worth. But like at Miami, who just put Xavier Howard on the IR and traded for another uh, Akib Tlaib on the IR, uh, the Giants, Washington, Oakland, Cincinnati, Miami, Baltimore. These are all defenses. I guess Baltimore is improving a bit, but he doesn't have a tough matchup until week 15. And not only are they giving up a lot of fantasy points, not only are their coverage grades uh, really poor, but if you look at their yards per attempt allowed to opposing quarterbacks, they're all bright green, which means Sam Darnold probably won't have an issue throwing the ball deep to Robbie Anderson if the offensive line holds up, which isn't a guarantee. But it, it definitely – it's a – it's a point in the right direction for Robbie Anderson going forward. And we've seen just the connection that he's had with Sam Darnold uh, so far this year. Uh, he's averaging 7.25 targets a game with Darnold under center, which is a far stretch from what he saw with like Luke Falk was probably around three or four. I didn't even look it up because I figured it wasn't really worth talking about. Um, on top of that, he's got a 21% target market share with Sam Darnold at quarterback, 38% of the team's air yards. And he's averaging 106 air yards a game with Sam which would rank sixth amongst, amongst all wide receivers, which is pretty impressive because when you think of guys like Robbie Anderson or Deshaun Jackson, you think, oh, he gets four or five targets a game and they're 40 plus yards that he's going to connect on maybe one or two of them. No, he's getting a ton of targets on a team that is trying to throw because they can't run at all. And a bunch of these defenses that they're facing upcoming are going to allow them to throw because they've been allowing it all year. And we've seen Sam, we've seen Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson already connect on a deep play this year against uh, Dallas where he ran a little stop and go route for 92 yards. And we've seen that same route be run by Robbie Anderson, like each of the past four weeks, this past week, he absolutely burned Trey Herndon. He gave him a nice little stop and go. And then Herndon grabbed his collar like this. And it, it would have been a 92 yard touchdown, but it got called back because of a PI. There's another play called back for an offensive pass interference where Robbie Anderson made a nice catch down the sideline. Like, Everything that he's been showing and the connection that they have, despite being on a terrible team, points to them, points to Robbie Anderson really bouncing back in these next couple of weeks because he's getting the volume. He's getting splash plays that haven't really converted yet, but at least the volume is there. And the, the teams that they're set to play are going to allow it to happen. Yeah, this is just this is the, the absolute last spot that you're going to be able to buy him low because we've been talking about his upcoming schedule for weeks now. And it's here. It's like week nine. Like you said, Miami, Giants, Redskins, Oakland, Cincinnati, Miami, Baltimore. Like this is the time to go grab Robbie Anderson. If you don't get him this week, you're not going to be able to buy him again because he's going to go off against Miami. I know Donald does look like absolute trash, but this is the get right game. Because like you said, Xavier Howard, their top cornerback, just went on the IR. Yes, they traded for it to lead, but he's not going to be back until week 15 or 16 at the latest or earliest. So that doesn't be relevant. And this is where... Robbie Anderson goes off because he it, had he connected on one of those deep balls this Sunday, people would be like, oh, Robbie Anderson is already, you know, he's ready to go for this upcoming schedule. But people look at the box score and they see that he didn't connect on any of those things. Um, but 
why are everyone releasing their kickers today? Patriots <laughs> release Mark Nugent now. Anyways, um, oh, let's go. Fucking Young Hoku got signed. That guy is the worst. He goes, oh, ever oh, let's go. What are you thinking about Chargers? Fucking revenue kicker. Dude, I no, I'm just kind of happy that Young Hoku isn't on the market for the Chargers to resign. Uh, <laughs> this, this is a strong market for kickers right now, man. Um, but back to Robbie Anderson. Yeah, he is someone that you need to have on your team because he's not only getting the deep targets, but he's getting the volume of targets and. Him and Darnold have the chemistry. Like I said, if he didn't get pulled on that one PI call, like Darnold saw it. He was like, oh, Robbie Anderson is one-on-one on this. I'm going to chuck it up deep to him. He saw Robbie Anderson get the edge, and he, he, he placed a nice ball, and Robbie Anderson would have been there had he not got the, uh, the collar pulled down. So that would have been another 90-plus yard touchdown. You would have been looking at Robbie as like, you know, a very, very, very high weekly ceiling guy. And now with this matchup coming up, like this is, this is when you have to get Robbie Anderson um, because the buy low window – is going to be closed come Sunday evening unless he gets traded. He is one of the names that's spiraling around the trade rumor market right now. And let's talk about some of the possible trades that could be coming up. Before we do that, though, I got to tell you all about Manscaped. Ooh, is that the Lawnmower 2.0? That Look at you. This is a Lawnmower <laughs> 2.0. Have you been using this on your face, Noah? Yeah, I used to have a full beard. I don't know. It's all gone yes. now. This is how good this shit is. Noah had a full beard <laughs> and turned him into a three-year-old child. That's how serious <laughs> this fucking thing is. I th- Okay, this is, this is from Manscaped. This is uh, a company that is partnering with Big Dogs. They are a new partner to the team. This is the Lawnmower 2.0. If you go on manscaped.com, if you use the promo code BIGDOG, B-I-G-D-O-G, you will get 20% off your order plus free shipping on your order. Now, they specialize in men's grooming below the waist. If you're a freak, you can go above the waist as well, like Noah. But this you thing is – they. <laughs> I've been thinking about it all fucking week. Um, I, I don't know all the technical details behind it. You'll see it on the website. But they have some sort of technology on here that absolutely is – it's so good because it does not nick anything down there. Like, I've been afraid to shave my nuts for a long time. I usually stay away from the balls, the sack, because – you're always getting cut up down there, right? It's a very sensitive area. However, this thing, I trimmed me in like 60 seconds, went all across everywhere. I don't know how <laughs> weird this is with you being on the other end of this, but yeah, I did I it. You muted. I'm just reading your lips right now. Okay, beautiful. Well, he's in, he's in college, so you're going to have girls coming into your bunk beds and shit. Who do you think sleeps on the top bunk bed over there with Noah? If you're going to be getting laid, you need to be trimmed up, gentlemen. No, you still with me? Oh uh, yeah, it stopped right after you said you're gonna get laid. So okay, well there you go. It's a good. It's probably a good stopping point. It's probably my cue to stop. Um, it froze up a little bit. This will not freeze up a little bit. This is a beautiful piece of technology. Head over to Manscaped.com. Use promo code Big Dog. Twenty percent off your entire purchase. Plus, you're helping us out as content creators, helping us get that max contract with Manscaped.com. You'll also get free shipping. This piece of technology will not disappoint you, gentlemen. They also got some other cool little uh, concoctions they've been whipping up, uh, some ball deodorant, some ball toner. I, I'm not really actually sure what they do, but you're going to be smelling nice. And go check us out on manscaped.com. Let's talk about Robbie Anderson again. I mean, I just saw something that the Jets are not trading Le'Veon Bell, so I'm not sure if they're just keeping everything off the table. It was probably like one team called about him and that just like got leaked or something. I feel like a lot of that, a lot of the time that happens, like a team is not actively going out to try to trade a player. 
But as soon as the team calls, it's like, oh, they're receiving calls. He's in the trade market or whatever. Um, I don't think Le'Veon Bell is actually going to get moved just because his contract is fucking egregious and no team's going to want to take that on at this point. Um, but Robbie Anderson seems likely. Like, they are actively shopping Anderson. I would love it if he went to Philly and just literally took over that Deshaun Jackson role with Carson Wentz. I think Green Bay makes a lot of sense, too. I think he would be a little bit less consistent with uh, in terms of fantasy production with Rodgers because they've been very run-heavy. But he would automatically be placed in there as the top wide receiver while Devontae Adams still works back from the turf toe. Um, I, I kind of hope from a fantasy perspective he just stays in New York because I really think over the next six weeks he's going to explode with Donald with this uh, schedule. Yeah, the thing is, like, if he moves, the chances that his quarterback situation gets better is, like, very good because Sam Donald isn't, like, a terrible quarterback, but that whole situation, like, their offensive line isn't allowing him to play up to his potential. But the other thing is, like, he's not to learn the playbook, which is probably just running a nine route every play, so it might not be too hard for him. But, like, learning a new playbook, uh, moving to a new city, like, all that type of stuff might take a few weeks to acclimate. But if he really gets, like – and obviously the schedule is probably not going to be as easy as the Jets' uh, schedule is right now. But if he gets acclimated to a new offense with a quarterback that can throw deep, maybe like a Carson Wentz, maybe like a, a Drew Brees if they want to get rid of uh, or move on from Ted Ginn, um, I think he could return value even if he isn't on the Jets down the stretch. Yeah, that makes sense. I like him in uh, in New Orleans as well, actually. Um, so we also heard that Melvin Gordon, your boy, might be possibly on the trade block. And uh, I think – I, I don't think any of these running backs are actually going to get moved anywhere. But I would love that as an Austin Eckler owner. Um, probably – I mean, if he were to go somewhere, it would make sense. Maybe like uh, Detroit or – I don't even know if Tampa Bay would trade for running back at this point. I think their running game is just so fucking putrid that, like, nobody that goes back there would actually help that team. Um, but Detroit is obviously very, very interested in trading for running back. We, we had them tied with Kenyon Drake. So if there's a running back move, I would assume it has something to do with Detroit. Yeah, if Melvin Gordon somehow leaves town and some other team wants to pay him, um, I think the whole offense of the Chargers is going to improve because we just saw how much more opened up and like how more versatile they were with Austin Eckler back there. Like They weren't committed to running Austin Eckler up the middle 20 times a game. And yeah. I think after last game, Anthony Lynn said, like you can't win games running 12 times. They did win the game, and they did run 12 times. So I don't know what he's talking about, and I don't know why they like keep trying to feed uh, Melvin Gordon. Like I don't think he's like a terrible player in real life. I think the situation he's been put in has kind of led to him not producing and making the mm -hmm. offense a lot worse than it could be because they're trying to, you know, instill him as a between the tackles back where last year we saw a lot of his value come out of the backfield as a receiver. So I think they're being a little hard headed right now and that's really hurting everybody on this offense. And plus they just got their left tackle back, which could be a boost to their offense, uh, the passing game. At yeah. Least. yeah. It's definitely more wishful thinking than anything else. Cause when you have a guy like even like Rashad Penny is on the trade, is on the trade market apparently uh, per some of the rumors out there. And if you're going to be looking for a running back, like you're definitely going to have to pay a lower price for a guy like Rashad Penny, who you get on a rookie contract. You don't have to resign right away. You don't have to pay that much this year or deal with like the headache of thinking about resigning him right away. Um, so if the, I mean, if the lions go with the running back, I feel like Rashad Penny might make some sense because Seahawks will kind of use him as like a, a sell high candidate based on just the name alone, right? First round value. They obviously see that he's not contributing much to their offense. Um, so maybe a team will pay somewhat close to a uh, somewhat close to like not first round draft capital, but even if they get like a three or four in return to see if Penny can kind of explode in a new, um, a new environment. Sometimes that's all it takes for a running back. But other than that, I feel like I haven't seen too many other. Um, well, Andy Dalton being benched, if we want to touch on how that impacts the terrible Bengals. 
yeah, I mean, you had Tyler Boyd on this list prior to Andy Dalton benching, and I was going to say, like, I'm at this point, I'm so off Tyler Boyd. Like, I don't even care about the targets. They're all, like, six-yard targets right over the line of scrimmage. They're not using him down the field whatsoever. I think Auden Tate is, is very legit. I think um, – I mean, I have no idea if A.J. Green's, like, ever actually coming back. I almost would assume that he's not. Um, but I, I kind of like this. I want to see what Ryan Finley has at quarterback. I think it's going to be interesting there. Keep in mind, Nick, he fed Jacoby Myers in college. Jacoby Myers broke Torrey Holt's single-season receiving record. Shout-out Wade. I remember reading that in the draft guide. <laughs> so, if he's going to feed somebody, it might just be the slot, and that's where Tyler Boyd runs out of. I don't think he has wide receiver one upside. I don't think he has high to mid wide receiver two upside, but I think maybe not buy him now, especially with this unknown uh, at the quarterback situation. But if somebody's selling him off the back of bad performances and a switch of quarterbacks, like, Let's not forget last year, Jeff Driscoll came in and Tyler Boyd was still a usable asset. Yeah. Now this, this offense is worse than it was last year, but if somebody's going to sell him to you for like a back-end wide receiver three price, like a Corey Davis, I'd probably just run with Boyd in that trade. Yeah, I, w- I, would, take, I would take Boyd over Corey Davis. I think like if this, this week was the matchup for Corey Davis to kind of do anything and the fact that he put up an absolute dud against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, yeah, I mean, like Boyd isn't, isn't a nothing. He's not someone that I'm dropping. Uh, but I would consider him more of like a, a wide receiver three at this point, um, just because they've had other weapons kind of emerge too. And this is not an offense that can support feeding more than real one, like one real fantasy wide receiver. Cause they have Alden Tate who looks good. Even Alex Erickson is getting involved a little bit. If he's going to continue to take targets and that hurts um, Tyler Boyd pretty tremendously. Cause he's a guy that kind of thrives off of volume, unfortunately. Yeah. I think if AJ Green does come back though, I think that the three receiver sets would move, uh, Alex Eric- Alex Erickson down the depth chart and put Tate and Green on the outside and give Boyd those slot targets where he's kind of giving them up to Erickson right now. So that could be a little uptick in maybe his volume and maybe the quality of targets because they're going to be shorter than they already are. So he might connect on a few of them. But if you just look at his numbers this year, like if he scored maybe two or three touchdowns as opposed to one, um, I think we'd be talking about him and thinking of him like a little bit differently. But at this point, it all comes down to a QB change, and we're not really sure what his role in this whole offense is going to look like going forward. So it's definitely scary to buy Boyd, but I'm sure a lot of owners of Boyd are scared to own him, so they might be shipping him off right now, and it might be a good time to pounce on a cheap price. Yeah, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if people in shallower leagues or just like non-competitive 12-team leagues are just dropping Boyd. If that's the case, I would I would go and, and pick him up or just send out like a shit offer and see if you could pick something up for him. Like even a um, guy like a Darren Fells, like a tight end, if he's your backup tight end coming off a two-touchdown week, throw it out there for Tyler Boyd or a quarterback coming off of a big week like that. Like I'd, I'd be fine with that because he's someone that you could definitely use in your flex plays. And I'm sure there are some big, uh, big games ahead for Tyler Boyd. Yeah, I don't want – I was going to say, I don't want to call anybody out, but somebody had DM'd me asking if they should trade away Tyler Boyd and T.Y. Hilton for Joe Mixon. So some people might be on that train right now. And if that's the selling price, then I'm a big buyer of him. For Tyler Boyd. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say. And T.Y. Hilton, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that that's that trade's a slam dunk. I think uh, Mixon has been so – it's funny how, like, fantasy works. Like, you want Mixon to be so good so badly – that'll have four straight bad games, one good game. And they're like, Oh, Mixon, you know, Mixon's back, but it's realistically, he's had more bad games and he has good games. You can't count on a guy like that. So that is going to wrap up. Um, people are, people are going nuts on Twitter because someone like there was a tweet that was like, Oh, Bell is reportedly getting shopped. I listed four teams that I thought would be fits for Le'Veon Bell or that could possibly fit. It was Kansas city, Houston, 
uh, Detroit, and I put New England Patriots as the second one or the last one or whatever. People were like, they would never want. They're like, they would never trade within division. It's like the Jets like don't have that leverage to care about who they're giving it to because it's not like Le'Veon Bell is going to come back and bite them in the ass in the playoffs because they're not going to be in the playoffs too. Um, most of his money has already been given uh, or has already been paid to him for this year. So any team that takes him on as a cap hit, they're only really paying like a million or $2 million tops for the rest of the year. I know the Patriots have like six and a half or $7 million still left in empty cap space. He would fucking dominate in that backfield too. I think it makes sense. The problem is obviously next year, his money becomes guaranteed. A lot of the money becomes guaranteed and it's a big hit to the cap space and, you know, do the Patriots, ever take on a cap space like that. But this is just ridiculous talking because I see a lot of people on Twitter yelling at me right now for, for, um, for mentioning the Patriots on that list. But yeah, Le'Veon Bell is basically, if you wrapped up all three New England Patriots backs and only took like the good skill sets of them and you rolled them out there. So he'd be like a perfect fit there, but it's probably not going to happen. That's what I mean. The fit is so good from like a, just a talent and a, a fantasy perspective, but obviously there's a lot of logistics that go on behind the scenes that make it very difficult for it to actually come to fruition. So that's all we got for today. That's the trade targets video for week nine. Make sure that you are following us on Twitter. Make sure that you hit the thumbs up button. If you enjoyed the video and subscribe to the channel, if you're new fantasy football content, six days a week, head over to manscape.com, get your balls toned, get your balls deodorized use promo code big dog b-i-g d-o-g will be linked in the description you will get 20 percent off your lawnmower purchase as well as free shipping to your household and go check us out on patreon if you want some exclusive content patreon.com slash b-d-g-e for our weekly rankings and stuff like that we are out until next wednesday mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.